Hello and welcome back to Witch Fix. Today I'm going to be talking about a book that I actually bought right at the start when I decided to start doing this podcast. It's called The Witch's Trinity by Erica Mailman. It's definitely spelt like Mailman, but it could be pronounced differently. I just wouldn't know. Um, I actually have never read this book before, but I did listen to it as an audiobook when I was in my early teens. And I remembered it uh, as being really dramatic and gripping and quite interesting. So I decided to purchase a copy of it and add to my to-read pile. And then I just read other things before I got round to this one. And it reached like my 100th and one recording. Not sure which episode this will be, but pretty up there. Uh, and I hadn't actually read it. So I decided to move it to the top of the pile just because I didn't want to wait anymore. And I quite fancied reading the story again. So the book is set in Germany in 1507 and it's set in a village where famine is really kicking off. They haven't had enough to eat for not just months but years. Um, there's been a string of bad harvests and everyone's running out of food. One of the first meals you see the characters in the novel sit down to is a soup made with like literally just carrot cut up in water flavoured with rosemary and that's to feed a family of five. So you can kind of understand where they're coming from in terms of being hungry and being desperate. Now, the story is told from the perspective of Gerda, who is the grandmother. She's the mother of the husband of the family. It's a family of husband and wife and two young children. And she does not get on well with her daughter-in-law, it's fair to say. Her daughter-in-law has become just more and more spiteful and horrible as the hungry years have gone on. At the start of the book, she resents giving Gerda food. She says that Gerda doesn't do any work because obviously she's an old woman. Her working days are, are now basically done. Her hands shake too much to even do things like sewing or other domestic duties. So like, like using knives and things. So basically she can't do a whole lot. And the wife really resents this and wants to deny her food. And one of the first moments we see between the two of them is... The daughter-in-law, Ermeltrude, putting her mother-in-law, her elderly mother-in-law, out into the snow and telling her, go and beg for your food. If you can't work for it, beg. And because the son isn't in the house at that point, he's gone out. Gerda actually just has to wander off into the snow. She, she's not allowed back into the house. And it's really harrowing and quite difficult to read. Harrowing and quite difficult to read is how I would describe the majority of the book and I'm going to give some trigger warnings because although no actual sexual assault takes place there are a number of scenes and instances which could trigger people who have experienced sexual assault um, mostly caused by the kind of torture that is used in witch trials and things like that and that might not be very nice for you guys to read. Witch trials obviously come into play quite heavily in the book um, at the start of it, a friar has arrived to hunt out the evil in the village that is preventing the harvest from coming up. And obviously it doesn't take long for Ermeltrude to see it as a way to get rid of Gerda for good. To accuse her and have her removed from the family so they don't have to feed her. On one level, the book is very much about man's inhumanity to man. The kind of desperation born of hunger and of strife. The kind of things that fed into the witch trials and how people became accused by that. Um, it really, the writing is stellar. It really takes you to that place where people are like animals because they are so desperate for 
food they're so desperate for any kind of comfort in this like everlasting famine winter um, there's a moment where uh, an elderly woman who isn't Gerda but is her friend has been arrested and locked up and is being tried for being a witch and a gang of villagers go to her house and essentially like they kill her goat which is an old goat that she just keeps for milk uh, basically they rip it apart in her yard and just carry chunks of it off to eat and they rip apart her house even going so far as to shred the bristles from her broom and break all the furniture just looking for food or a coin that they could then use to go and buy food and you know these people are just desperate and the way Gerda's narration works her seeing this kind of hungry inhuman glint in her daughter-in-law's eyes when she looks at her it's kind of calculating thing which has been removed from this human relationship and has turned more animal like can we keep this older member of the pack around because they're dragging us down or should I just kill them for the good of everybody else the second level to the book is this kind of psychological element because Gerda is clearly suffering from some kind of dementia or maybe just a kind of pseudo dementia brought on by just being very old and also starving to death but on the night when she is kicked out of her home which is the home that her husband built for her and her son she wanders in the woods and she sees a group of women come to her and the devil is with them and they offer her a basket of roasted meat and say that she can have as much as she wants if she signs the devil's book which is basically agreeing to become a witch and serve the devil and she's hungry and confused and cold and she eats the meat and then she sees that the book has signed her name to it without her touching the, the book or writing her name in it and so for the rest of the story where she's obviously being accused of being a witch and being in league with Satan she's not sure if it isn't true she's not sure if by going into the woods that night and accepting the food that they gave her and also having intercourse with the devil uh, who she kind of believes to be her dead husband at that point it's a little bit unclear and muddled she's not sure if she isn't actually a witch and that's the element of the story that I found really interesting because there's a lot of books out there about witch trials witch hunts people being accused of being witches this book is interesting in two different ways because it's very different to those books one it is an older woman being accused a lot of the time in novels that I've read it's a young girl who's being accused or a, a midwife or herbal healer um, which people kind of think that midwives and healers were the only ones who were persecuted or accused of being witches but basically it was anyone they wanted to get rid of and I think using Gerda's character as a sort of old woman really does help to capture that that it is weak and defenceless members of that society who needed taking care of but in times of trouble were turned on as being extra weight that people didn't want to carry. I also find it interesting that she isn't sure that she's innocent which is a great idea and a great technique to use in the story because she's not sure if she's a witch or not and a lot of things occur like for example a cat shows up at the house soon after that incident in the woods and it seems to gravitate towards Gerda and she likes having it sleep in her bed because it's warm um, but also she sees it sometimes turn into a woman and talk to her and it's unclear if 
that is dementia or the result of starvation or if it's actually real. For most of the book, I would venture to say to basically all of the book, there's a feeling of dread which can be quite um, suffocating as you're reading it. Basically nothing good happens for many, many, many chapters. It's all terrible. Even faint glimmers of hope are snuffed out and you know that bad things are going to happen to all of the characters and it's going to be terrible and it's going to be violent and beautifully described but also quite harrowing to read. It's only at the end that there's a sense of some hope creeping back into the story but it's also undercut by the idea that this can happen again and this did happen many many times to many different communities. What I really like about the book is that it takes an interesting slant on a topic that a lot of books have been written about and it's really wonderfully written and incredibly vivid in the images that it creates as you're reading it. It definitely takes you to that place, it shows you a slither of what it might have been like and it's quite compelling and I honestly I read it in like two sittings just because like I had to go to sleep in the middle but then I woke up and finished the rest of the book because I literally couldn't wait to get back to it. It's honestly like my idea of what historical fiction should be. It's just amazing and it doesn't cut corners or make things look twee or fantasise them into like oh the good old days when everything was wonderful. It generally takes a real unflinching look at what people were capable of doing to each other and obviously because we're still people now what they're still capable of doing to each other if those conditions arose again. Just looking into Erica Mailman's website she does have three other books out um, there's Women of Ill Fame, Murderers Made and House of Belava or Balava, one of the two uh, and those are set respectively in the Gold Rush um, against the Lizzie Borden story and in early Oakland so those could be quite interesting to you guys if you're also interested in really good historical fiction I just want to read you guys a little bit from the beginning of chapter one just so you get a sense of the writing style. Uh, I'm sorry if I pronounce any of these things wrong because it is set in Germany and my German is not good, practically non-existent since I took my GCSEs, so I apologise. In the second year of No Harvest, 1507, Tiergendorf, Germany. It was a winter to make bitter all souls. So cold the birds froze mid-call, and our little fire couldn't keep ice from burrowing into bed with us. The fleas froze in the straw beds, bodies swollen with chilled blood. We were hungry. It had been a poor year for grain, like the year before, and the blasted field was now covered with snow. What game there was starved too, their ribs plain as kindling, but soon enough we ate all of those, and there were no longer claw marks leading us along the little path. The Lord's Mill, which Yost ran, hadn't been in use for years. When I looked upon the mill wheel a fortnight ago, a cobweb stretched from the hub to the teeth. No one had any grain to grind, and so our barter was based on next harvest. Last year the Lord had released the vassals from obligation, and we had all walked the furrows of the tilled earth many times, seeking a scrap thought useless before, even chaff, something to put into our mouths. The soil was as if salted, Seeds went into it only to fester and wither. We did all manner of things to change our fortune. We prayed in the way that the priest asked us to, with the Lord's Prayer, raising our eyes to heaven as we spake of the daily loaf God might grant us. Incense cloyed our throats as we prayed again and again, 
asking Mary's help as well. We became as gaunt as the saints carved onto the boards of the altar. And we also did what the priest asked us not to do. Facing to the west where the sun sets, we slaughtered beasts and poured the blood onto the soil. We dabbed blood into the middle of our palms to represent the harvest we wished to hold. We sang the old songs, our voices hushed so that the ancient music would not drift back to the church. We could not eat the meat of the ritual beasts, and so with tears in our eyes we burned the goats we might have eaten. We watched the smoke drift with the cold wind, incense the earth might prefer to the sweetish cloud from the censer. We scolded the fields as if they were children. We threw the silt at the sky in a dusty haze and screamed. Kerner Himmelman slept with a clod beneath her pillow, and nothing changed. Nothing changed except that snow fell. That section also highlights another aspect of the book that I really like, this kind of push-pull between the new religion that is Christianity and the old ways which were around when Gerda was young, which are sort of being forgotten by the newer generation. They have a guy in the village whose responsibility is to read the runes. They have uh, a sign of the meat that they make to give thanks to beasts. And it's sort of putting your four fingers down and wiggling them like an animal walking along. They have, uh, there is reference made to better times when there was maypole dancing and girls would have uh, ribbons and flowers in their hair and they would find people and dance with them. And also to customs to do with fertility and marriage and things like that. When Gerda is reflecting on better times when there was plenty. I really like that aspect of it. It means that the book isn't just about witches in the sense that it's about witch hunts, which after all weren't actually about witches, but it's also about elements that we recognise as witchcraft today, like folk customs, the maypole especially being part of Beltane celebrations, things like that. So it kind of hits two levels of witchy content for me, which is really good. And it also shows how deeply ingrained those ways are. I mean, even to the sense that we still refer to some of them today, even people who aren't pagan will refer to some of these things. And my church school, for example, when I was growing up, still did the Maypole celebration every May. Uh, and sort of how deep those are in the culture that you can't get them out is one message of the book, because against the priest's wishes, they do turn back time and time again to these more ancient customs. It's a really phenomenal book. I definitely recommend purchasing a copy if you get the chance. It was first published in like 2007-2008, so you can probably find copies of it around for not a lot of money secondhand. You might even still be able to buy this in bookshops because it was quite a successful novel um, that was reviewed by a lot of like popular magazines and things, so that tends to keep things in print, so you might be able to buy it new. It's definitely not a light read. It's definitely one that you're going to have to suffer through with the characters in the best way possible. You'll probably enjoy the actual reading portion, but the actual experiences and emotions that the book will take you through are very strong. And personally, I wouldn't read this if, it, if I was in a negative headspace. It's definitely one that you have to be ready to tackle. It feels in that way much like a, a very literary novel and not something that you would maybe pack to take on holiday you could do but how you would feel after reading it and how much of your holiday you would enjoy you know I, I wouldn't speak to how well that would go after reading it but definitely do check it out and let me know what you think of it if you do read it you can get in touch on twitter which is at witchfix and you can also email which is witchfixpodcast at gmail.com 
Remember, you can also donate to the Patreon in the description box. And if you check out the Twitter page, make sure you find the Amazon wishlist link. You can buy paperbacks and things and they'll come directly to me so that I can review them. Let me know if there's anything you'd like me to put on that list and I'll see about adding it on when I have a moment. In the meantime, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. <laughs>